Welcome to the Perfume Room. I am coming at you with the first solo episode of 2023. So first order of business, let's talk about my scent of the day. I am so excited. I have been going through a new discovery kit and I am wearing one of the fragrances in it. I am wearing How You Love from Jasmine Sarai. And I'm so excited because the founder and perfumer of this brand, Donna Almazri, is actually an upcoming guest on the podcast. This fragrance is so special. And actually the first time I smelled it, the first thing that popped into my head was my cat. Now this fragrance does not smell like a cat, like my cat. There's nothing cat-like about this fragrance, but it sort of evokes the innocence of a sweet pet. So I sprayed this and I just had this like feeling of like comfort and tenderness. And I looked and my cat was just sitting on the floor, like the loaf that she is closing her eyes just like ever so slightly, just like, you know, that expression that cats have that just is like perfectly content. This fragrance just felt like it captured that feeling. It feels like butterflies in a field on a sunshine day. It's soft and fuzzy and it's like peachy pink. And the fragrance notes listed are cardamom absolute, grapefruit, Jasmine Absolute from India, Moroccan Rose, Honeycomb, Beeswax Absolute, Sandalwood, and Musk. I just, I don't know. It's just so, it's so beautiful. Anyway, speaking of tenderness, I was recently at the Oculus. That's not tender. Um, Well, I'm getting to why it's tender in a second. Actually, let's go back a step. Let me tell you why I was at the Oculus. Okay, so this past weekend, I didn't even share this on social media But my boyfriend and I went to Monster Jam. Now, you're probably like, Emma, what is Monster Jam? Um, And that's a valid question and a valid thing for you to not know. But I will tell you, Monster Jam is that thing where like a bunch of big trucks with different names like do like flips and donuts and I don't know, just like fun little party tricks in these like big trucks. And my boyfriend sent the link to me and was like, do you want to go to this thinking like that I would obviously say no because he was sort of joking, but then I really wanted to go. It was he and I and then uh, an entire arena full of parents with their children probably aged 3 to 10. And we had such a good time. I mean, at Monster Jam, I laughed. I cried. I got indignant for certain trucks when they didn't win certain competitions. And I don't know, there's just something so earnest about it. Like what's crazy is like, I didn't realize that every single thing that they do at Monster Jam, the drivers are competing against each other to like ultimately be the best Monster Jam driver. And what's so, I guess, weird about that is like they take the competition so seriously that, you know, they do the best they can, but then the voting is all audience-based and they leave the voting in the hands of like five-year-olds. So there was like this donut competition. I can't believe I'm talking about this on Perfume Room. There was a donut competition and there was this one car and like he deserved to win. I mean, he did like six and a half donuts. I was like, this guy's got to win. I gave him a perfect 10 out of 10. And then when they revealed the winner, it was a different driver. It was a different car. This car that won was called Gravedigger. So when Gravedigger was making the acceptance speech, he was like, man, like, thank you. It's an honor, but I don't know how you guys are voting. Like that should have gone to Jurassic Attack. And I'm like, no shit. Like this is what happens when you leave voting in the hands of like five-year-olds on their parents' tablets. Like of course 
the right person is not going to win. So anyway, this is my public plea to get more adults who are not just chaperones in the seats voting at Monster Jam so that the people who deserve to win, win. Because man, I mean, what a craft, what a skill. Anyway, we ended up at the Oculus because this was in Newark. We took the PATH train back and that's where we got off. So we were walking around the Oculus and I, I, how many times can I say that word? So we're walking around and I realize that FragranceNet has a brick and mortar store. So we went inside and magic happened. So I feel like between different guests I've had on this podcast or other things that you guys have seen me do, I feel like the story of me smelling the fragrances on my grandmother's dressing table as a kid comes up often and talking about smelling Giorgio, etc. But I don't know how much detail I've gone into because in addition to having, you know, an olfactive memory of how my grandmother smelled, I can also close my eyes and visualize the entire table and what every perfume bottle on the table looked like. And because I still have that visual memory, that's how I was able to sort of track down her collection. So my mom has always said that my grandmother wore Giorgio and she's not wrong, but let's just, you know, take a step back, do a little have a little conversation and credibility. My mom is the same woman who calls 4711 1492. So she's not really the person that I'm going to as like the keeper of fragrance references. Anyway, my grandmother did wear Giorgio. My mom is correct, but that was one of several fragrances in her rotation. And because I recognize the bottles, I know what the other ones were. They were Boucheron, Bijan Bijan, Opium, Van Cleef First, and Paloma Picasso. And I will occasionally smell someone on the street who smells like how I remember my grandmother smelling, but because I didn't know what each of these fragrances smelled like individually, I knew it was one of those fragrances, but I didn't know which. Anyway, at the fragrance net store, they had Boucheron, Opium, and Paloma Picasso, and it was just amazing. Like as soon as I smelled them, it was just this instant blast from the past. It was so validating, and it's like for this brief moment, I brought her back. How is it 2023 and suddenly I am smelling this woman who has been gone for so long? And that is why I do this podcast because scent is so powerful and so special. It can literally bring back someone from the dead like they're standing right beside you. And in this weird way, it makes me feel connected to her. And yeah, that is the tender moment that happened at the Oculus. Should we get into some 2023 trend predictions? Because that's something you guys have been asking my thoughts on. Okay, I have a big one right off the bat. And I guess maybe this does tie into like me also talking about fragrances like Giorgio, which is that I think, or maybe this is just more me manifesting because this is what I want, but I think 2023 is going to be the year that not just maximalist scents make a comeback, like we've seen with like fragrances like Baccarat with these big projections and sillages, but maximalist florals like Fracas and Giorgio and Carnal Flower, like more fragrances like that. And the reason I feel this way ties into another prediction for 2023, which is that we're going to see an expansion of unisex marketed fragrances, but we are also going to see a shift and an expansion in what it means to be a unisex fragrance. So right now, And I know this has come up on different episodes with different guests because it's something that I feel strongly about and I know many of my guests do as well. But this idea of unisex fragrances has become its own third category of 
the raw materials that consumers and the industry has deemed androgynous, right? So we have fragrances that are marketed as feminine, fragrances marketed as masculine, and fragrances marketed as unisex, which by and large end up being mossy, woody scents, oftentimes with sandalwood as the sort of anchor to the fragrance. Where did this start? I think this all ties back to Santal 33, which came out in 2011. The same way that Dior Eau Sauvage became a blueprint for men's cologne or that Robert Piguet Fracas became a blueprint for women's perfume, Santal 33 became a blueprint for unisex fragrances. And we are the same people that set the very standards that frustrate us. In other words, if this fragrance binary, or I guess this fragrance trinary, is socially constructed, who do you think created it? Now it's 2023, right? We have a much more expansive understanding of the spectrum that is gender. We understand that it is not this rigid binary that it's been constructed to be. And I think that our understanding of that is going to carry through to perfume. Less of the sort of ambiguous sandalwood sense and more just reaching across the marketed gender spectrum. What would really close the gap, in my opinion, is not a third category. It would just be everybody wearing everything that they want, right? I mean, no flower is gendered. No raw material is gendered. Anyway, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. So yeah, that is another fragrance trend prediction I have. The end of this sort of very distinct third category. And then with that, just because I love the smell of flowers and I'm in the mood for some Giorgio, I would love to see maximalist florals make a big comeback. I have a hot take for you guys that I wanted to share. Um, and this is something that I have been picking up over different episodes, just the way that people speak about this term. I think synesthetes are the new empaths. I mean, do you remember in like 2020 and 2021 when like people would mock anyone who called themselves an empath and like it was just like this whole thing like, no, Susie, you're not an empath just because you like cry when you see something sad happen in a movie, whatever. I feel like I've recently been hearing people have a veil of judgment over the word of synesthesia or feel like they are not qualified to call themselves a true synesthete. And I feel like synesthesia is also like a spectrum. Like I do feel like, sure, some of it might be conditional. Some of it might be like something smells like a banana and then we see the color yellow or something smells like grass and we're like, oh, we see green. Like, of course, some of it is our sort of like semantic associations. But I do think that if you associate textures or sounds or things like that with certain notes, you don't have to be a diagnosed synesthete to have elements of synesthesia in your fragrance consumption experience. And with that, I just want to be vulnerable and share that I am an empathic synesthete. Hello listeners, it is I, and today I am coming at you with a small ask, which is to please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you have not done so already. Your reviews help the podcast grow, gain credibility, and more importantly, reach new listeners. Share it with a friend, post about it, make it the subject of a juicy diary entry, and then read that entry aloud at your local open mic. Anything you can do to help spread the word is so appreciated. And I do want you to know that your reviews are not in vain. Here's where they go. First, each review is carefully screenshotted. Then it is reviewed and shared in a text correspondence with my mother. There, they are read, celebrated, printed, and framed. They are then mailed out to family and friends in lieu of traditional holiday cards. 
So thank you. I'm going to get to some of your questions and just do some rapid fire answers. So the first question that I see um, is what is a cardamom and lavender fragrance for men that live with you? That question came from my boyfriend and he wanted me to talk about a perfume that I recently gave him a sample of because I thought he would enjoy and he really does. That fragrance is Thamine Diadem and that is a lavender and cardamom scent that my boyfriend is loving. It kind of smells like Halfetti, although he doesn't like how Halfetti smells on him and he loves Diadem. So 10 out of 10, recommend it. Really beautiful. Just this sort of like soft, aromatic, but also spicy, cardamom, sandalwoody type scent. Really nice. How can someone train themselves to smell top, middle, and base notes? Okay, this is going to be exciting news for you, but the whole difference between top, middle, and base notes is essentially tenacity, right? So top notes are the ones that the second you spray a fragrance, you smell pretty strongly. They tend to be sort of citruses or those more light fleeting type of notes, and they sort of burn off very quickly, right? If you think about like what's a good cooking analogy, like when something burn, I don't know, I'm not, a, I, you can tell I don't cook much, but there's an analogy to be made there. And if, if you're the one to make it, you know, DM me and let me know what it would be. But anyway, middle notes are sort of like as the fragrance develops, maybe 10 minutes into wear, what the heart of the fragrance really is. And those will last maybe, I don't know, it depends on the fragrance, maybe an hour-ish, hour and a half. And then those notes dissipate. They have the second shortest tenacity. And what you're left with are the base notes. And those are often notes like sandalwood, which actually grow in the strength of their smell as time goes on. And that's what's going to be left the longest and the latest. So if you're thinking about training yourself to smell a top, middle, and a base note, I would just say, what's the first smell you smell? What do you smell 20 minutes later? What do you smell an hour later? And what do you smell three hours later? And whatever it is that you're picking up, you're probably picking up the top notes in the beginning, the middle notes, you know, 20 minutes to an hour in, and the base notes beyond that. Somebody asked if I had any updates to my mac and cheese scents, and I do. So I'm going to put How You Love, which I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, definitely in that mac and cheese category. It's just so comforting and tender and maternal and just like, just like pure love in a bottle. And I am also going to add, I don't know if I had put this on the list at the time that I came out with it. So I might be repeating myself. I need to remember what that list was. But if it is not on that list, Vanille Banan from Comptoir Sud Pacifique absolutely belongs on that list. It is like banana Laffy Taffy, warm vanilla, and then it dries into this like really comforting sort of like waxy 90s vanilla. And I just, I love it. I love it so much. Favorite brands um, was another question I got asked. You guys know my favorite brand is No Longer, and that was Atelier Colognes. I think my criteria is just a house where I enjoy at least 75% of the fragrances. Now, I don't know if this is cheating because this house only has three fragrances currently out, but I will say Our Side, the brand that I've been talking about nonstop for the past few weeks, yes, there are only three fragrances, but I love all three so much. So that's a new favorite brand. Another question was um, to rank all of the Fleur releases in the last year since I have tried them all. So I am going to do that. In last place, I'm going to put Not Your Baby. That one really was not for me. It was like a 
violet marshmallow mimosa scent that was like too violety and too sweet. And it, I don't know, it just didn't work. Next, I'm going to rank missing person. Um, people have pointed out to me that the name is problematic. I don't disagree. And I don't think it was the intention, but I do think if fans call it out and say, hey, this this is problematic, then you could do what Beyonce or Lizzo did and say, hey, I didn't realize. Let me update that because I hear you and I see you and I validate you. That's not why I dislike it. I don't dislike it, actually. I just think um, it's like a it's a decent musk scent. It reminds me of um, the Body Shop musk. I just don't think the hype is like completely merited because it's had the most hype of like any fragrance I've seen ever. Next up, I'm going to put Apricot Privé. Good, juicy apricot scent you know, didn't, didn't move the needle for me, but it, I, I like it. Then I'm going to put Floria. I really like this one. It is a fun sort of gardenia floral somewhere in between like Michael Kors or Marc Jacobs, sort of like gardenia fragrance and like a Tom Ford Soleil Blanc with the sort of like solar sunscreen type vibe. I like it. I think it's fun. Um, yeah, I enjoy it. Then I'm going to put Somebody Wood. I think it's a really nice sort of like sweet, but not cloying woody scent. Then I'm going to put Lost Cause as my number two. You know I love this scent, and it's just like a great Freesia Oris musk. I miss Freesia. I would love to see Freesia come back in 2023. I think that's one of the unsung hero notes of the 90s, and I feel like this is an execution that rather than feel sort of petally and fresh, feels warm and enveloping. And number one, you know what my answer is. It's Tangerine Boy, and I've already talked your ears off about that one. So, you know, I love it. Someone wanted me to talk about liking fragrances that you used to hate as your palate expands. And I've often likened it to wine of like, you might start with like a Moscato or something that's just sort of like easy on the nose, like a sort of nice, sweet, inoffensive fragrance. And as you progress through your journey, you like something that has a little mossiness, or maybe you start to like something that has a bit of like a, an indolic quality to it. Maybe you start to get into... Uh, an animalic musk type of note. So I do think that the same way that you might start at a Moscato and end at a Cab Sauv, your palette and fragrance can change as well. But I also think the reverse can be true, which is that I, for example, could not wear just straight up gourmands when I first started because I did find them too sweet for me. And now I feel like my palette has opened up and I can indulge in a just straight up like sugary, buttery, vanilla-y scent that I previously might not have thought would have been like sophisticated enough. Now, because I feel like I have such a diverse range of perfumes, I appreciate the straight up sugary confectionery scents even more. Some notes that I am a reformed hater of, well, not hater because there's always been exceptions, but there are lavender scents that I enjoy now. I used to hate lavender, used to not be a big fig fan. And now there are some fig scents that I absolutely adore. Black Current sort of gave me a B.O.-ish vibe. There are Black Current scents that I love. I hope that answers your question. Somebody asked about designer mass market fragrances I like, and I want to give you guys an updated list. There are many that I love, but you know what? I want to like spend a day going through Sephora and Ulta and just like really smelling everything so that I can give you guys a comprehensive list of like everything that's out on the market right now today, what I am loving most. So stay tuned because I am going to do that for you. And I will just end on this note. I'm holding the microphone in my left hand and that is where I sprayed how you love. And I just keep getting whiffs of it and it's just so beautiful. 
I think that the full bottles are sold out right now, but as soon as they are back and available, I might need to do it. I think I'm going to get a full bottle of this one. Anyway, thank you for listening. More to come next week. And yeah, happy 2023. Perfumer was edited by Wyatt Peak. Music is by Max Vernon and illustrations are by Israel Rodriguez. 